You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. Ooh, the music's back. New music. Are we live? Are we live, Casey? Yeah. We are live. Wow, look at that. Hello, everyone. Jose Youngster, the MAFighting.com, here with another Wednesday edition of the A-Side Live Chat. I know we're bringing you three episodes a week uh, during this pandemic quarantine times. And, of course, uh, we always have a guest of honor every single week. And I am excited for this one because she is by far one of our most requested guests. I've asked many of many fans who they'd like Woo. to see on. She is either one, if not the top requested names uh, I've been tweeted a lot. When are you going to get this fighter on? When is she going to come on the show? And she is here for a Wednesday edition. Roxanne Matafari has joined Pizzi and Casey and I uh, on the Ace Tide Live chat. Now, before we get into the fan questions, Rox, I have to Woo. ask you, how has quarantine life been for you uh, during this pandemic? Um, hi, thanks for having me. I'm really honored that fans request me. That's really cool. Um, quarantine has been super, like, emotional roller coaster, um, up and down. Like, I'm training in my one of my coaches' garages right now, so it's not super bad. Like, it sucks. Like, I my team. Uh, I feel like I'm in Thailand getting a camp. You know, it's so bizarre. Like, everything is so bizarre. And not training with my best friend, Serena. Um, training is, I don't know. And I'm training, like, three times a week with my physical trainer. And at first, I was training with him. And then it was like, wait, we all have to wear masks. <laughs> so then, like, he's standing six feet away from me. And I'm doing, I'm pulling the sled in his backyard because the gyms are closed. So I'm, like, running up and down his street in the behind his house with the sled. Um <laughs> throwing stuff so you know he says that i'm getting stronger because i'm not overtraining. you know i'm like just doing his conditioning so i'm getting stronger i just uh i just uh hit two maxes on my deadlifts you know like wow. the first week of quarantine i you know i, I beat my personal record and then wow. days later i beat my next personal record by 20 pounds Whoa. Cool. So I'm feeling pretty good. <laughs> I want to train with the team and this all sucks, but it's very bizarre. Very bizarre. And I can't really post about anything because I get socially shamed for leaving my apartment. I'm like, oh, oh. I'm, always, I'm hanging out with my, you know, one training partner and everyone's like, that's not six feet. <laughs> <laughs> I have to be a good example, you know, because Vegas is different than New York. I don't want to be telling people to go out and train with everybody. Like, please wear a mask in the grocery store. Please limit your, you know, exposure. So it's like people are mean to me about that. Like, I start posting like 70% of what I'm doing because I don't want to get socially shamed on online. So that's how quarantine's been for me. <laughs> Yo, Roxy, you were absolutely shredded ahead of your last fight. Now, if you're even getting stronger, that must be like huge. Whoa. Wow. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it was notable, right? I, I can remember even said it to you in the in the pre-fight. I was like, you look ridiculously ripped at the moment. So, I mean, you're going to be even stronger now next time? My walk-around weight has gone up, you know, so I'm trying to, like, it's it's getting, you know, harder and harder to cut weight, you know, because my walk-around weight's <laughs> going up. But, you know, I can still do it. But, yeah, thank you. I'm, I'm excited to get even stronger to defeat my <laughs> opponents. <laughs> Quality. <laughs> Quality. Casey, what's your personal record? And just in, in what? Wait, what are we talking about? 
doing the 40 uh, or deadlifts? What are we doing? Well, let's talk deadlifts. What's your personal record? Like a million. Uh, we don't have to share the number. <laughs> one, I didn't share my number. One million. One million. <laughs> over 9,000. Yeah, over 9,000. That's what I was hoping Casey would say. <laughs> Maybe a little modest, sorry. <laughs> But, of course, as everyone knows, this is not our podcast. This is the fans' podcast. You can ask any question you want. Roxy is here. I'm sure you have a lot of questions for her. For whatever reason, you might have questions for us, even though we have an actual professional fighter here to answer your questions. So without further ado, Casey, what is our first question from our lovely listeners? From Sean Denny, at Denny Rance, hashtag the A-side. The UFC embraced more of a Japanese production style for weigh-ins and entrances. Would it noticeably improve the product, or would it just... Well, would it still just be about the fight? We've talked about this a lot on the show on our loves, our affinity for the the entrances, the ramps, the pyrotechnics, everything we see from the pride and rising days, even when Tyson Fury fought Deontay Wilder, they had the those epic entrances. So, Roxanne, I'll ask you this. Uh, are you a fan of the quote Japanese production style, as Sean says in this tweet, or do you like the basic just walk out to the entrance, walk out to the octagon and fight? No, yeah, I totally agree that the more interesting and entertaining it is, the better production it is, right? So it's kind of a bummer that, you know, people can't do, uh, fighters can't do more with their walkouts and weigh-ins, you know? Um, very limited. I'm very grateful I'm allowed to wear the wigs, you mm -hmm. know? Um, uh, I actually just asked one of the staff if I could wear a Reebok pink bra <laughs> bought just because it has Reebok on it and they're like oh no you have to wear the UFC provides stuff it's like all right um <sighs> but I still think that since we're fighting in Reebok that's fine you know we should be able to you know wear the whatever we want for walkouts and weigh-ins so I think that would be better but you know has any have you had any other ideas nixed by the UFC I know Ben Rothwell's always wanted to walk out with his robe and they've always nixed it. Uh, I know Dominic Reyes wanted to walk out with a Kobe Bryant jersey and the UFC nixed it because none of them were Reebok. Uh, they weren't just weren't Reebok. And of course, uh, we always see the fighters with tape over their, their Nike sneakers and their Adidas sneakers. <laughs> have you uh, have you had any ideas nixed by the UFC uh, before walking out? Um, the pink bra, but yeah. <laughs> some other things. But, you know, I'm allowed to show my individual individuality with the wig so that's good but you know I it's think, my job yeah, i think that's me money so i'm gonna you know <laughs> sure. happily proceed because i love the ufc and i'm happy to be in the organization i think from uh, from like a consumer point of view like when you're when you're watching these shows i think the the more uh, uniqueness a fighter can bring to the table, like Roxy always does with with the wigs, and mm -hmm. um, it, it it's better for building their brands and essentially as sole traders, not employees. I think they need to be given a bit of space to to show the world what they're all about. Um, so I, I just on the Reebok thing, that's one thing that really kind of I think it's like it, it's such a different era from before Reebok, obviously because. People could put their personalities out there through their attire more. You know, you could learn something about them from what they were wearing and stuff. And that's kind of a thing of the past. So I'm always from more unique. Like, uh, like style benefits. I was going to say, I'm sure Izzy, <laughs> Izzy's following like skyrocketed after that entrance in Australia. Like <laughs> yeah, it was amazing. And look, and look at the amount of shit he took for that, Roxy. Like, I mean, that, like, I mean, it doesn't matter if you're doing the most badass shit in the world. They're still going to find a way to, to take a few shots at you. So, oh, really? I mean, that's I just the nature of the beast. That. Favorite, oh, I couldn't uh, believe it. Most memorable entrance you you can remember for any anyone on the panel. For me? Uh, 
for anyone. And Miller is walking out to the, with those dancing girls in the front. That, that is the correct answer. That is what I was hoping That's for. Like the, that has to be the number one of all time. Like, come on. I was. Was that there. a dream? I don't know if I was no, there. I remember. No, it was for a Strike Force card. Actually, I think you fought. You oh. fought. You fought the same card of um, Jason. I mean, uh, what was it? it was just Wasn't that? A, I thought Which it was Chicago? a dream. I did fight on the same card. Was it, it was Chicago? Um, you fought. In Fedor, yeah, Fedor versus um, Brent Rogers. Rogers. Oh wow! Yeah. Well, what else was the dancing girl? What else? Pride. He had Japanese then, girls. Yeah, but he he, he brought he brought uh, he brought him out for Strike Force too. Oh, we did. Yeah, yeah. you know, and I, I, I remember I remember that Roxy because um I was with Jason shooting some behind the scenes stuff, and you had your autograph book with you, and oh, you had yeah. all the fighters sign a uh, wow. book. Yeah, because I, I and I thought it was the most adorable thing because you were you were on the card, but yet you were like, oh my god, Fedor or Jason. I think uh, <laughs> it was it was so yeah, cute. I gave that book to my uh, web webmaster. It was like, <laughs> Esther wanted to add that he did that entrance, yeah, for both Strike Force and Dream. But yeah, I think King Mo's had a lot of big ones. Big fan of Ryzen. I was a big fan of Michael Venom Page when he fought on the Tokyo show that Casey was at. Came out with the Okatsuki robe. That was a fun one. Right. I know. That was I was very jealous of uh how, how well he pulled that up. He came out with the the dagger in his in his mouth too. Pete, is that what's your most memorable entrance? Um I think uh just probably probably a bit um from an Irish point of view the McGregor entrance with Sinead O'Connor was uh was really epic mm-hmm. I mean uh, uh, people people like were crying in the crowd I turned around and half of Ireland was there and like I seen <laughs> 45 year old men crying like just weeping openly like surrounded by their friends I was like wow this is some shit's going down here boys but um the another great entrance and I every time I watch it I love it is uh Paddy Pimbler from Cage Warriors coming mm-hmm. out to um Little, oh, what's the name of the song? I don't know. What, it's a dance song. It's like a Tiesto song, and he comes out to it. But he was coming out to this like with ten thousand people in in <laughs> Liverpool just losing their minds. Like you see, people brought their kids in the crowd. Like he was such an icon there. <clears throat> and every time uh, he kind of comes out to that, he even managed to make it dramatic when there was no crowd at that last Cage Warriors show. He came out to it. There was no one in the crowd, but you could just feel this buzz through the <laughs> through the live feed. So that's definitely uh, among my favorites. My actually, well, hopefully, he's in the go ahead. Oh, I forgot my, my most memorable entrance. Um, just last year when I was went in Hawaii and Alima May, oh, yeah, walked out with um, yeah. all her um, families and friends, and they did like a I'm not sure what it's called, but you no know, traditional dance. And just watching the crowd cry and she Alima crying, and then she went out and won her fight. It was it was awesome. Yeah, I'll plug your video be- oh, yeah. for, that you did for Alima because that is still that one of the most brilliant. emotional videos I've ever yeah. seen in my entire life, the backstage uh, footage of that. But, Casey, next question. <laughs> Thank you, Sean, for one of your lovely love questions. You, Danny. From at the seaside, uh, top three female bouts you're looking forward to and want to see by the end of 2020. So, Roxanne, I will start with you. Top three, uh, I'll say potential female bouts you are looking forward to the most uh, and some that maybe might not happen, but you'd like to see by 2020, end of 2020. Number one, me versus Lauren Murphy would be great. Ooh. Ooh. Called me out, and then I think we were supposed (laughs) to fight, and then – it was like in the middle of the quarantine and she was like, no. So I don't know. It's fine. But sometime soon, let's fight, you know, 
Uh, next Woo. would be um, JoJo and Valentina. My teammate yes. for the title. I'm really looking forward to that one. You know, JoJo's gonna shock the world. I hate that. Like, shock the world. <laughs> she can do it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Rexy, gonna shock the world by beating Macy Barber. Like, okay, that's nice. Thanks. Anyway, that fight's gonna be great. Um, uh, those are two that came, came in mind. Me and then JoJo. Um, mm, yeah. Anyone? All the girls. I always pay attention. Pete, any, any, you're looking forward to? Yeah, uh, like, well, top of my list was JoJo and Chevy. You know that we're all uh, buzzing for JoJo and Shevchenko in in Europe. We can't, we can't wait. <laughs> and I mean, when you look at, you look at, um, I think Jojo challenges Shevchenko in a very different way than, than anyone she's fought before. She's a fantastic striker and she's come on so much thanks to Roxanne with the, with the grappling, right? Like, I mean, she's, she's always saying how much she's, um, grateful for you guys kind of teaching her a lot about the ground game. And I think on the John, it's, it's really flourished as we've seen. Um, but as well as that, I'd love to see maybe, Tatiana Suarez back in the mix, maybe against uh, maybe against Joanna. That would be that would be a tremendous fight. One hundred. Um, and I'd love to see this. This is one that's a bit uh, Leslie Smith v Sinead Kavna again. That was a brilliant fight uh, on Bellator. It was in Houston, I believe. Very controversial. Um, it was basically a continental divide on who taught who won, but it was a brilliant fight. I mean, Jesus, they. It was a great striking matchup, and um, I'd love to see that again in Dublin, if you don't mind. <laughs> <laughs> Casey, you're a big fan of the Amanda Nunes, Felice Spencer, right? Yeah, I really want. Yeah, I'm really bummed that that fight um, isn't happening anytime soon. Oh yeah, I want to see that one too. Yeah, because I, I think I think Spencer is just a very tough matchup for Amanda Nunes, especially at one, at 145. So I'm just I want to see it. Um, I really want to see uh, eventually. I want to see Zhang, uh, Wiley Zhang versus uh, Rose Namajunas. If Rose mm-hmm. can get past Andrade, if that, I know Rose is going through her um, situation right now, but I hope hopefully, you know, she gets uh, back in, in into competition soon um, when she's ready. And uh, another match I would love to see. You know, what? <laughs> I really want to see. Um, I, I if <laughs> I want to see Roxy versus Valentina. <laughs> Yeah, I just, I just, I mean, I know, I know Valentina's got, it got, got busy. She's busy with JoJo right now, but I think um, Roxy, the storyline. I think Roxy's just, I mean, she's right there. I mean, I think, I think she's at the prime of her career right now, and I think after the Barber win, after she already beat the other um, Shevchenko sister, I think the storyline's right there, and um, I just think it's a great matchup for both of them. So those are three, three lady fights I want to see soon. That barber fight, though, I mean, we, we should talk about that most definitely. I can never, I can't remember a buzz being like that in, in the media room. That was that was insane, right? When we we're all well, gathered not, around not watching. Not even it. just the media room. And if you look at our YouTube and numbers outside of the main event, Roxanne did the most video views that entire week in pre-fight interviews and post-fight interviews. So it wasn't even just the media. The fans were invested in that fight as well. But the actual fight was incredible to watch. Yeah. You know, it was – have you watched it back, Roxanne? Like, I mean, do, do you can you can you feel that energy when you watch it back? Man, I was like, I can't freaking pass her half guard, like for half the fight. <laughs> so – and that's where I'm good. So I'm like, all right, I got some good positions. I elbowed her a bunch. It was awesome. Man, I gotta find a better way to pass her half guard. And everyone's like, that's the best fight of your life. <laughs> <laughs> cool. 
So, I mean, my perception of the fight, I think, is different than a lot of people's because I'm so critical of myself. <laughs> but, um, no, like, I really think I was able to show some, you know, more power in my punches, you know, in my strikes. You know, I've been working on that a lot, you know, um, with my coaches at Syndicate, John Wood, also AJ Matthews, um, and yeah. my strength conditioner, Lorenzo Pavlica. Like, they've all been working together, and I've been doing different things. And, man, I feel like I've reached a new level and, like, a new stride kind of. So, man, like, I didn't even get to do half the striking that I wanted to do. I have so much planned, so that's why I'm like, man, I hope the UFC offers me a fight kind of soon-ish, you know, that I can, you know, have a right. decent camp and get in there and, like, show what I can do, you know, because I, I now, and also, you know, I've been working with Neil Melanson a little bit on different ways to pass the half guard. And, so, so, Roxy. Lauren's <laughs> going to have to, you know. <laughs> If she is indeed my next opponent, like I never seem to fight people I think I'm going to fight, like, right? I thought I was going to fight Lauren first. And then it was, as I was waiting to the bout agreement, they're like, oh, just kidding. Here's Macy Barber. I was like, oh, okay. Whoever. So, when Roxy, when, well, you, I, I when you rewatched that fight versus Macy and you saw the problems in the half guard, were there technical errors that you saw in, from your side? Or was just um, Barber just being just super defensive and just um, just just really not letting you move? People don't give her enough credit for her ground game. You know, I saw people trashing her online, but she's pretty good. Like I was trying to, you know, when I was in half guard, I was trying to use my shoulder pressure to turn her face in the other direction and turn her hips in the other direction so I could mount. But she was properly like shrimping her hips, you know, and making herself turn so I couldn't pass. And then she was tying up my hand so I couldn't punch her. And then she bridged and rolled me over from mount, which is like the most basic mount escape because I left my hand too close. And then when I went to take her back, she kicked her leg free, so I lost a hook. Like she did a good job of foiling my stuff. So she's no like slouch on the ground. So I mean, I also did a good job. I was dominant there, but you know, I want to give her a little credit as well. <laughs> I, I think that's a fight that will inevitably have to happen again at some point. I just think yeah. like with all the drama of, of yeah. I think years down the line. Like I'm not talking next fight or whatever. I can imagine that that's gonna be there will be a huge appetite for that if it is if Macy can get back to where you know where she was essentially. I think I think there will definitely be an appetite for a rematch. I'll leave it there. <laughs> so Roxy, are you in the camp? We've had Anthony Smith on the show, and he said he is he every time he watches his fights back, he thinks he is the worst fighter on the UFC roster. Uh, even when he knocked out Shogun, he's like, I suck at fighting so much because he knows the mistakes going through his head and he knows what's going on in his head during specific moments. Are you in that same camp? No. Um, yes and no. You know, I give myself credit for what I've done. Um, and then I'm the kind of fighter who, like, people say, well, okay, back up. People say you learn more from a loss than from a win, but I kind of disagree. Like, I always watch the fight, and even, even if I've won the fight, I ask my coaches, like, hey, how, how could I have done better? Oh, there's the spot. Could I have done something better? And then they teach me something. So, you know, I analyze everything and always just try to make improvements on everything. So, Yeah. Always learning. We had Corey Sanhagen on. He said he was his own favorite fighter. So uh, good mix. <laughs> Andre Feely said the same thing. He goes, I love watching my fights, man, especially when I get – I don't like watching myself lose, but I'll watch my highlights. I'll, he'll like go to bed watching his highlights. So uh, both camps exist on the A side. But Casey, I'm next question. I actually have a question for Roxy right now because we yeah. talked – she mentioned it a little bit, how you wanted to you, – you, you wanted to show your hands off a little more. I remember interview, interview, interviewing you a couple, a few years ago, and you talked about you were very excited about getting your first TKO. You hadn't gotten it yet at that time, but I think at the very next fight, you wind up getting a TKO uh, with elbows on the ground, and you were very excited about that. 
what's do you have a another like do you wish you get a, a straight up knockout with your hands at some point is that like a is that a goal now because i know at the beginning of your career you made you you're all like jujitsu jujitsu jiu -jitsu, but you, you're you're a diff, you're a different fighter now this is correct yeah. i would like a hit them they fall down unconscious knockout that's my next goal <laughs> whoa just a one shot kill just <laughs> i don't want on my record tko well that would be fine but i would like ko on the record you know that that's my goal that's that would be cool at least once roxy every then i can go back to trying to jujitsu them but at least <laughs> <laughs> roxy everyone loves you like you're such a positive person in this space like you're 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 famous for it i was just wondering like, I'm sure you've been asked this a million times, but what is the most amount of trash you've ever talked to someone? Like, was there ever a point where you were up in someone's face, giving it socks, and you're like, well, this isn't like me at all. I just, I just drifted out of the, the, the Roxy positivity for a second. Have you ever had a moment like that? Um, well, when I was on Ariel Hawani's show, I told him that I that uh, Macy was good at blocking punches with her face. That was probably it. <laughs> <laughs> probably the, the darkest that I've gone on there. <laughs> I was just wondering. I had to ask. I'm sorry. I know. I know you always ask. I'm trying, man. I'm trying to be a little more like, you know, I don't know. <laughs> nah, just be you. It's it's great. Okay. <laughs> well, hey, actually, before the fight, I was like, I need to make her bleed a little bit to get to, <sighs> and then I mean, that's a little <laughs> letting her make her bleed a little bit of an understatement after that fight. <laughs> yeah. Happening. Holy shit. That's uh, a fight. Casey, next question from our love. Thank you at the seaside for another lovely question. Ooh. Oh, so this individual, and I wrote his name down because I'm show up. It's Cote, De, Cote Del Fuego on Twitter. He's DM'd me this many, many times, and uh, I feel we should answer it this time now that uh, Pete is on and Roxanne. <laughs> I would say, what's your favorite manga? Saludos from Jalisco, Mexico. So, uh, Roxanne, I'll start with you. What is your favorite manga? <laughs> I don't read a lot of manga. I mostly watch anime. However, um, Angel Sanctuary, Tenshi no Fuku, is uh huh because it wasn't made into an anime and it was very unique. Where like this boy fell in love with his sister and it turns out he's re reincarnated as an angel and it was very weird and they went to heaven and hell and like that's probably why you've never heard of it. <laughs> probably super like. <laughs> Um, controversial, but it was really great. Actually, there's an OAV. So that was my favorite um, uh, manga. It was super deep and emotional. I'm like, wow, it was really good. Angel Sanctuary. Um, Angel my Sanctuary. favorite anime are, you know, Naruto, One Piece, and Dragon Ball Z. Yeah, I mean. Check out Angel Sanctuary. There's an OAV. I'm 100% going to check that out. I have to now. Like, if it's, if, if you're, you're, I will 100% check it out. PT, I think I know your answer. What's your favorite manga? I've read two volumes of Akira. The first one is my favorite. But I like the second one, too, because we got to meet Akira finally. But, I mean, it could be three, four, five, and six by the end of the week, you know? They could all be up there in the mix. And, but, yeah, I've only read one. It's very good. And you know how to read them now. It was only a six-month process, but we got there in the end. <laughs> so for, some need... back, for some backstory for people who haven't seen the video, uh, Pizzi has the collector's edition of the Akita box set, which reads right to left, as the majority of mangas do. There is a – my volumes behind me read left to right, though. So Pizzi was very confused why the story didn't make any sense because he started on the last page. 
So he was reading left to right, and he's like, "I've read this a thousand times. Why? Like, who are these people, and why? Why does it make no sense?" So we have the video. I was actually waiting to interview. I had to bring it to Las Vegas. I had to bring it across the world so he could show me how to read it. To show, because I had to show him how to read it. And I was actually in line waiting to interview you. Uh, the video is out on Twitter somewhere where he's like, look at my book. And he's like, let's start on the first page. And I was like, this is the last page, sir. And then he flipped it over. So the whole ordeal is caught on camera. Uh, if you haven't watched it, you can go make fun of Pizzi. But now he, he knows how to read it. So congratulations, well, Pizzi. But the funny thing was, I got really worried when Jose was like, oh, wait, wait, wait. We'll tell Roxy when she comes out. And I was like, no, no, don't shame me. I was like, the two of them. It's okay. going to take too much of you. It's okay. Thank I you. understand. Thank you. <laughs> That's funny, Casey. Do you do you like any manga? No, um, nah. <laughs> I I I respect the art form, but uh, I'm just not a. I have not not manga is not my thing. <laughs> well, to answer this individual's question, because yeah. he's DM'd me so many times, I have three. It's Akira. It 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 changes frequently depending on my mood. Akira, uh, Nausicaa, and the Valley of the Wind, which is also made into a movie. Uh, it, it is a Ghibli movie by Miyazaki, but it was a manga first. I highly recommend it. Uh, and then if you are not into fantasy or sci-fi or anything, Cross Game is a phenomenal show about a high school baseball team uh, in, in Tokyo. So I cannot recommend that enough. It is eight volumes. It's sitting behind me. Ten out of ten. One of the best comic books I've ever read in terms of character development. Yes, it might sound weird, but high school baseball in Tokyo, Cross Game. Check it out. Thank you for the question. I, I, <laughs> so right. we should go cross I'm game next, maybe Jose. My next one not, should be cross game. It's not even remotely close to Akita whatsoever, but I thoroughly enjoy it. <laughs> All right, we're gonna go to the YouTube comments, and we got one of our oh, frequent, our frequent commenters, Ice King, right here. Oops, let me move oh, it so you can see it. There we go. Ice King on YouTube. If Roxanne was a UFC oh, <laughs> was a UFC splinter, who would her UFC Donatello, Michelangelo, Leonardo, and Raphael be? So I think this is asking if you are Master Splinter from the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, who would be your four uh, pupils? Me? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yes. If four Roxanne. Splinter? If you were Splinter. Oh, honestly. <laughs> Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles came out before I became a tomboy. I was still oh, watching My Little Ponies. So oh. I can't answer that question. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm not that familiar. No worries. <laughs> tomboy, yeah, sorry. Sorry, Ice King. No answer for you. Sorry. <laughs> All right, hold on. Let me find another question. Let me see. If, uh, here we go. It's. it's from Frankfurt, another longtime commenter on YouTube, what are the top three must things to do in Tokyo? Now, I am unique and I'm the only one on this panel who has never been to Tokyo. So for those for the three other members on this panel, what are three things someone has to do the first time they go to Tokyo? Go to Asakusa, which is an awesome place with big shrines and lots of places to buy food and little trinkets. There's a samurai museum in Shinjuku Kabukicho, which is super small, but it's savage. Cool. And um, they have a guy do like a sword uh, oh. demonstration and they let us do it too. And I volunteered and I had to hold a sword and he showed me how to hold it. Oh, it's so cool. <laughs> and finally, Tokyo Tower. Yeah. PC, do you agree? You look like you're, you're deep in thought right now. 
Oh man, I did so much shit over there. It was unbelievable. <laughs> um, I mean, I you gotta go to the the Golden Guy uh, and drink around there. That's unbelievable. That's a weird. That's a really interesting experience. The bars are all like six seats in them or whatever, mm-hmm. and that's brilliant. Um, we went during cherry blossom season, um, and we can't remember the place we went to to um, see them. But we went through a load of parks, and we spent a whole day doing it. And that was amazing. That was beautiful, and. Um, after that, it's just like a, a load of like food. And I think the best the best thing to do with Tokyo is just walk around and get lost because you're gonna have a good time no matter where you go. You know, it's just it's an unbelievable place. I, I can't, like I was just saying to the guys before you came on, Roxy. All I'm thinking about was going back there. Like I, I can't think about anything else. I'm just like I, I just need to go back there as soon as possible. So uh, that that's what I'm dreaming about as soon as this whole thing ends. Just getting back to Tokyo. Casey. Uh, you've been many a time too. You've all, you've been a lot for fights as well. So, but yeah. uh, three things I have to do first time we go to Tokyo um, before we let Roxy go. Well, for oh, for, uh, real quick then, if you're an MMA fan, save up save up a couple thousand bucks. Go there for um, well now it's going to be Ryzen, but go there for the big New Year show. See a big show at the Tokyo Dome. It's it's going to change. It's just it's just an amazing experience just to be in the in the arena to see Japanese fans to see the see the walkout see just the event from beginning to opening ceremonies to the last fight just um save a little money go see a show at the Tokyo Dome and um I think PT said it right after that just eat food and walk around the city it's just a great place right when you say right just 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 being there is enough and then you'll find things that you like just just enjoy enjoy the city and just and don't and don't be a rude American jerk. <laughs> this like just make us look good. <laughs> the people are amazing, aren't they? Like yeah. I mean, that's the best thing about it. Everywhere you go, we, me and Elaine just kept on making loads of Japanese friends everywhere we went. We, we'd go into one bar and leave with four people. <laughs> it was always the way, man. It's just incredible. And well, do some karaoke in Japan. Oh yeah! Oh yeah! Yeah, I hate karaoke, and I actually enjoyed going to the box. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Amen. Top of the list. Well, it is ten thirty. Yeah. I know Roxanne was short on well, was short on time or limited on time this week. So uh, we, I cannot thank you enough for stopping by the podcast again. I know our listeners have been absolutely clamoring for you to be on the show. I know they're really excited. We've had more questions come in than ever before. Well, I hope we narrowed them down uh, to a few. Uh, I believe that. What are you holding up, Casey? Oh, there you go. Happy Warrior Warrior fan. Autographed. Autographed. There you go. Keep that. But anyway, of course, Roxanne, as the guest of honor, before we let you sign off, is there anything you'd like to say or plug or the floor is yours for whatever promo you want to cut? Uh, Thanks for having me, guys. Um, On my website, RoxanneModafieri.net, I'm selling my books, my memoirs book and my How to Be Positive book. So check it out if you feel like it. Well, thank you so much, Roxanne. We'd love to have you on when this quarantine is over or even before then. I know our fans would love it, too. But uh, stay safe out there. And thanks again so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. Thanks. You're a legend, Roxy. Cheers. All right. Roxy's still there. Oh, she's gone. Thanks again, Roxy. All right. That was a blast. Always, I She's always great, enjoy isn't she? talking. Yes, she is by far the Ooh, like. I as soon as we got Jared Cannon here, uh, I got many a tweet asking when Roxanne was going to be on. I think they just wanted her to t- hear her talk <laughs> about anime and Japanese culture and everything. Uh, so always happy to talk to her. But we also, I'm sure we have a lot more questions. Yeah, that, we do. 
Let's. I saw somebody. I saw somebody slagging my uh, my hair, and uh, you're dead right. It's a mess, but I'm gonna keep it going until the end of this. <laughs> no, um, my hair's looking long long It's in that. It's in that point where it's it's still really short, but it's not buzzed. I look terrible. I would take that over my shit any day of the week. <laughs> from from longtime commenter Esther Lynn. PC <laughs> looking a little bit like Eddie Hearn. <laughs> Oh my god, he's a lot better looking. He's a lot better looking than I am, but I appreciate yes, that. I'm <laughs> into scruffy PC. That's what I was saying. Beautiful, beautiful quarantine beard you have going on. Oh man, if you smell me, you wouldn't be able. You wouldn't say the same thing, man. <laughs> oh my god. The dog smells bad at me at the moment. <laughs> For those of you just listening to this, because we I know we have a lot of people that only listen on uh, our podcast number, go watch the YouTube video. Then we then you can see PT's glorious uh, quarantine video. <laughs> from, from at Cam, Cam Kelly, at Cam Kelly Gang on Twitter, at hashtag the A-side. If you were in charge of launching a new tough season, what changes slash additions would you make and or what coaches – fighters etc would you want on we've had this conversation a few times i know casey's had uh some ideas uh pt what are your ideas to to revamp top if they ever bring it back you know i actually i thought like contender series was going to be the revamp of the ultimate fighter and the one thing that's kind of frustrating i guess for european fans is like we want to see the, the people get a shot you know over there, if you remember, Brendan Lochnane was Lock one of the Lane. only guys. He only he's one of the few guys who got a chance. And the buzz over here was crazy, man. It was I insane. Was at, I was actually at that contender series fight. Not only yeah. the buzz there, but uh, that was right after the tour of the Apex. That was the launching. I believe he was one of the first fights in the new Apex building. And there was like a little press conference with uh, Paul Felder and I think it was Fitzgerald. Uh, Brandon Fitzgerald, who were they were saying, which fight are you most looking forward to? And I cannot remember the name off the top of my head of Brandon Lockney's opponent. Both of them picked that fight because whoever was winning that fight was gonna go to the UFC. That was before. And the guess fight what? Happened. I know. But guess what happened? He's not in the UFC. The Celtic Fro. Thank you so much, Angie. That's what <laughs> I call it. I love it. Um, yeah, I just feel like when you've got a, a, a promotion like Cage Warriors who nearly produced 100 fighters for you, why, why wouldn't there be some type of cross-promotional cross contender series there? You know, like you wouldn't even need to fly people out. You wouldn't need to do any of they, they have the stuff set up there. So just do it. Like let them have a contender series night. Um, you know, you could get Dana via satellite or, you know, Mick Maynard or Sean Shelby to kind of do something like that. I think it would it would inject a lot of energy into the scene over here, to be honest something like that because already when you're watching cage warriors title fights you're like well the person who wins this is mo is likely going to the ufc so why not just um you know use that platform to uh, its advantage and do a european series kind of thing do you, this is a question uh for you've said many a time that cage warriors is like what you call it, like that white knuckle promotion where you win you go through hell to get the oh, title yeah. And then you go to the UFC. Would adding a contender series take away from that? Because like now you can, there's an, there might be an easier path to the UFC rather than just going through hell. I mean, yeah. I mean, the thing is, I think for a long time the UFC should be doing more business with Cage Warriors anyway. I mean, I, I feel like, especially now that Bellator have come into this market and they have a lot more money to play with. 
I mean, they're signing up a lot of the great talents in the UK and Irish region. So, you know, it's impossible for like a grassroots promotion to to compete with, with a Bellator. So I think the UFC should be injecting some cash into Cage Warriors so they can keep fighters there for longer or so they can, you know, just compete with getting some names across. And not that they, they're doing a bad job. They're still a, a great promotion, still very, very interesting. But I do feel like that is that is one of the things that is very difficult for them to compete with, just the just the salary, just the just the wage in general that the guys are picking up for fighting with, with Bellator as opposed to Cage Warriors. Casey, I know you've had a few ideas in the past. For those of you, for those of uh, our listeners who don't know your ideas, what are some of your ideas to revamp the Ultimate Fighter if they do bring it back? <clears throat> you know, I, I always had like ideas like, oh, you should do this, do that. But like the, the longer we get away from Ultimate Fighter – the idea of just quarantining fighters in a in a house before there was quarantining, <laughs> um, I just I th- I actually think it's kind of it's just um, it's unnecessary. It's been done. The whole putting fighters in a house, that part you know where they can't no phones, no outside TV or whatever, and just you no know, throw some liquor in the house and see what happens. I just think that's just <laughs> been ex- just extremely played out. Unless you take out the alcohol, and now that weed is legal in <laughs> Nevada, I don't know. May, 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 maybe uh, I don't know. Tough, tough four twenty season might be an idea. Uh, <laughs> we don't want to fight, Dana. <laughs> <laughs> well, I love that guy. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, let's just hang out. <laughs> um, yeah, other than tough four twenty, um, I just. I want I don't like if if they do bring it back uh, I want to see uh, instead of like I want to see a matchmaking style similar to how K1 did it or how Bellator did their Grand Prix I want a crazy selection process where like they have a life-size bracket up in front of them and like they draw ping pong number one go stand like the day you want to fight and then someone draws ping pong number two they can fight that guy or they can choose another day I want an epic present selection process i don't want just like coach saying uh we're gonna select so-and-so to to fight so-and-so like i want the fighters to have the choice of where and who they want to fight i want a crazy selection process with ping pong balls because i loved k1 that was when you saw like the overeem Batahari like rivalry where they go up on stage with the giant bracket behind them like i want to see that drama or like pitbull when all of a sudden he's like i want to fight in march and i want to fight this guy like there was some drama to it and it's that that made it so much more interesting. I want to see a crazy selection process. I don't want just coaches picking their fighters and who they fight. Yeah, I, think- I, I, I agree with I agree with Casey's like in, in the way that the the thing is played out. I thought it was played out by season five nearly. You know, like I was like, All right, I don't like I want to watch the fights. Don't get me wrong. But just the house dynamic and stuff, I was like, I'm done with this shit. Like I mean we we know what's gonna happen. There's one loose cannon He's going to go fucking crazy. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah, you know, that's, that's, some of them yeah. brought me back. Like, cause like the tough 20, that's the one where they had the straw weights. Uh, that one, I watched that season yeah. just because like yeah, I've been right. watching the straw weights for so long outside the UFC. Now that they're all in the same house, it was like a who's who of like women's veteran MMA. Um, t- the live season I watched with, uh, when John Anik was a lot more involved, I watched that whole season because it was live. So there are ways that got me back. Uh, but the format itself is played out, as you've all said. Yeah, I just think the idea of like, because we're, we're not watching the best fighter. We're watching who's the best fighter, but also a good roommate. 
you know? Right. <laughs> I'm like, all right. It's yeah, like, it was. I just, yeah, it's like, yeah, it's like, and like, it's just weird. And, and, and the house, and just, and even going back to the house, the whole, just the weight cutting issue was always big problems too. Um, actually, that's one reason, I mean, Carla Sparza is a great fighter, but Carter spars the fact that she's really an atom weight, an atom weight fighting, fighting at straw weight. So her in the house was just a perfect, is a perfect fit for her fighting style and her weight cut because she she fights in a style that can she can grind out fighters, not take any damage. It's only two rounds and not have big weight cuts. So the tough format was just incredibly advantageous for someone like Carla Esparza, and um and I just think that's not the way like it's not the way to to find out who the best fighter is. It's to find it's the way to find out who the best roommate fighter is <laughs> so well that was, that was there's been a, like there's a lot of fighters that will win and then drop down immediately like i yeah. know didn't shoe face yeah. win as a light heavyweight like he's another grinding fighter who didn't cut weight in the house in tough brazil and then he won or and then he won and then now he's the, the, middleweight. the, 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 the women's the women's 45 season i think like, yeah every Mason fighter Chazon dropped down to 135 megan anderson was very upset about that they put together this whole season of Find new 145 pound talent, and then the winner immediately drops down to 135. And half the women Look, in Rashad, there are already 35ers in general. Like Macy, uh, what's, what's her name? Sorry, how do you say her name? Uh, Macy Chasen. Macy yeah. Chasen, yeah. Um, she was a 45er before. We just didn't know she was cutting down. But there were other fighters in there who had only fought at 35 who were just on the show strictly because they were just trying to get that opportunity. So I just thought that was. It just or even even Roxy, she the, she was on tough twice. The first time she was on, she was one thirty five. Yep, and then she came back for the one twenty five pound season because back then that was the only way you could get into the UFC was being one thirty five or or one fifteen or there was no one twenty five pound division. Yeah, that's what that I think. Ash Daly, she was on the strawweight season, so that was a big season in Ireland. Oh, like yeah. a lot of people are watching it, and you know she. She was like, she's a, a big, big strawboy, Jesus Christ. And to be making that weight so many times, like, I mean, she, she'll tell you herself, I mean, the damage she did to her body in that, that season is incredible. You know? Uh, Guillermo Cruz wanted to add that shoe face one tough Brazil as a heavyweight and then dropped down. Well, I believe he's a, like a middleweight now. So, like, again, yeah, yeah. Like, you, so <laughs> a lot of, you see, like, even Mike Bisping won a light heavyweight. Uh, Rashad, yeah. Evans, Rashad, a heavyweight. Rashad Evans, a heavyweight, too. Yep. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, the the formula was there to not cut weight, win, and then drop back. Like, didn't Manny uh, Manny Gambiran won? He competed at 155, and then like later on in his career, he left the UFC to go fight at 145 in WEC because he was a natural 145er. So mm. the formula is there. <laughs> at the seaside again, do you think Artem Lobov will have any MMA fights in the near future? Hashtag the A side. Now, Pizza, you and I chatted uh, with Artem in. Las Vegas in January. Uh, but since then, have you had any conversations with that camp or do you have any idea if young Artem Lobov will have, I call him young Artem Lobov. <laughs> That's more of a joke for the, for the, the, the Twitter trolls who can call him the go or young or up and coming prospect, Artem Lobov. Uh, do you have any idea if we'll see him back trolls? inside the cage anytime soon? <laughs> um, yeah, we had him on Eurobash a few weeks back. It was great to have him on. Um, about three weeks ago, I think. And he, like, I mean, the, the situation Artem's in now is, like, he, he's just, he's ready to fight across any discipline, um, but it's got to be for the right amount of money. And I think, you know, that makes business sense for him. Look at look at the amount of traction he brought to uh, Bare Knuckle FC. Um, mm-hmm. I think it's undoubtable that, you know, 
he he definitely has a huge name value. Even when uh, Bellator were talking about a featherweight tournament, uh, Artem was a free agent and he was one of the uh, he was one of the big names that was kind of brought up uh, to to be involved. Um, even when he was on Eurobash three weeks ago, he was saying like he was right on the verge of signing for Bellator, um, but. Bare Knuckle just kind of came in with a crazy offer at the time. So I think if, if the right offer is made, Artem is certainly, certainly interested in fighting MMA again. And, um, you know, as far as I know, he has a few options on the table as well because KSW were very interested um, in him recently as well. And he, there is a number of storylines there with Artem because in his younger years, he used to just go anywhere. This is way before the UFC. He used to just go anywhere in the world if someone was looking for a fight. And somehow, very early on in his career, he ended up as the number one featherweight and light, lightweight in Poland just from going over and fighting <laughs> dudes on short notice. So, um I think there's some definite options there for him and KSW. I think it's a great move for them as a brand. Uh, Artem's going to pull a lot of new eyes on them. And and look, Bellator is still there. Bellator need to continue to make compelling matchups for this European series. And um, Artem is one of the biggest names out there available to them. So I think he certainly will have um, MMA fights in the future. I don't know how near. It depends on if these boxing contracts and these bare knuckle tr- contracts come in a bit heavier than the MMA ones. Well, we, I, I spoke with Martin Lewandowski in last July, so almost a year ago, and he was talking about he wanted to hold a KSW event in Chicago because uh, he wanted to kind of test the U.S. market, and there's a big Polish scene in Chicago. you got to imagine having a name like Artem Lobov uh, when you kind of break ground oh, into the United States would benefit him tremendously. I also know he wanted to do like Phil DeFries versus Ryan Bader cross-promotion, possibly on a Chicago card too because Bader's fought – uh, in the Chicago area before. So they're making the right moves at KSW. And if they want to break ground in the U.S., you'd have to imagine Artem would be, would could play a big factor into that. Absolutely, man. I, I, I hope, I hope the money's right. And I hope, um, I actually hope Artem um, signs with Bellator, considering that Bellator has an amazingly good um, featherweight division. I think it's the best, I think, I think it's, I think it's the best, the best division they have and comparable to the UFC's featherweight division. I think those guys are that good. And throw Artem in there. I don't think honestly, I, don't, I don't think Artem's gonna be a top guy, but he's always gonna be a, an action fighter. He's, you always want to watch his fights, win or lose. You just know you're gonna get an exciting fight. And you could also inject a lot into the 155 division too, if you want to. Like you like throw him in there against like both Pitbull brothers, 145 and 155. Have him fight Chandler. But like imagine Benson Henderson versus Artem Lobov, just two drastically different styles in terms of aesthetics and fighting style. It's just fun. The fight I want to see, the secret fight I want to see, and I, I don't want to see it right yet, but I want to see it within the next year and a half. I want to see Aaron Pico versus Artem Lobov. Oh my God. Holy shit. Well, you see, that's the value it, it, for me. The high action fight, and that's just going to, Let's see. Let's see if Pico fights. You know, in a not in a non-smart way, in just a dumb way, and just wants to brawl. Because that's how you can get in trouble with Artem, obviously. Because like someone, I want to see Pico's power against Artem's chin. You know, so sorry, PC. But yeah, but no, I think that you're dead right, and that's that's the exact kind of matchup the Bellator should be looking at for him because his value is in the fact that he can, through his fighting Artem, he's going to create a lot of stars. You know, the looks of Patchy Mix, a fight like with Aaron Pico, any of these guys kind of elevates them to a new level, uh, provided they win, of course. But, I mean, I think that's where the value is. It's worth paying money to a guy who's going to create several stars for you through fighting him. And I, I really believe he does have that kind of power. 
Make it happen, Bellator. I wanted him in the Grand Prix. I we joked about yeah. how the winner of the Grand Prix should just not for the championship. The winner of the Grand Prix fights Artem. That is your prize. <laughs> so many interesting fights you can make with him. Like I mean, when Artem starts talking about dudes, you, you're interested. He was even saying talking about like oh. On short notice, let me fight MVP for a million. And oh, it's like, it's just God. so interesting. I know I know it's crazy, but it's still interesting, you know? It's still interesting that he's throwing it out there. you got to appreciate it. I love it. it. I love it. Has, Artem been, love has, has he been finished of strikes? Or has he been finished recently at all? Am I, am I forgetting? Was Jason Knight not finished now? Was that not the no, that stop for the, the rest? Oh, in, in, in MMA, in MMA. I know, I know he got in finished. MMA? No, man, I can't remember. I mean, I'm sure, yeah. I think he's been submitted um, by Saul Rogers back in the day. Um, wow, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I just, yeah, I just can't. I have no uh, image in my head of Artem being finished, really. <laughs> you know what I mean? So I guess. Uh, he has I been. Guess it's, he was finished by Mike Wilkinson in 2011. Neil Hook, was it? Uh, no, it was TKO. Yeah. Oh, he's okay. been. He's lost. That was his only TKO loss ever, 2011, to Mike Wilkinson, and he's been submitted twice. And this is, yeah, this is all MMA. Uh, so, but not in ten, almost 10 years, he hasn't been finished. You know, you know, what fight Wait, actually will. looks a little. His performance actually looks a little better is when he um, lost to Ryan Hall in the uh, tough finale. Yeah. yeah, the fact that he survived. Like Ryan, remember Ryan Hall was just on his back for basically 14. Unbelievable. Minutes. And, he, and and Ryan Hall really never got him close. He, he had him in control, but he never really got him like you know within that that last inch. And um, I think looking back on it, I don't know what Artem has in him that he has that just amazing survival spirit. That's just like it's it's. A bit, I'm a big fan of Artem Lobov. I don't I don't care if he's the best or not the best, however you feel. But um, I I just I always love his fighting style. I love his attitude, and um, I think he's a guy that's really good for the sport. Nice, super, super nice guy to talk to. And when we interviewed him, that fi- our first failed interview with him when a fan yeah. punched my mi- my microphone <laughs> out of the camera, he was being mobbed by fans in the casino. And then there were so many fans there that when we interviewed him, a fan literally punched the mic adapter out and we lost that interview forever. So that's just shows you how popular it was. It was such a great interview as well. Like people were going fucking crazy. Oh man! <laughs> I caught like when someone punched it, I had to catch it out of the air. It popped out, and I had to snatch it out of the air so it wouldn't fall into the into the ether of fans on that casino floor. But uh, yeah, popular cat that week. Yeah, I can remember when that Ryan when Ryan Hall beat him. We all thought it was a bad omen, and Connor was going to lose to Aldo. Yeah, <laughs> like, oh, no. From. <laughs> At Susanna Fights on Twitter, which is the best fighter T-shirt design you've ever seen? I think the correct answer. There is one correct answer, and it is one of the two Korean zombie shirts. That is my opinion. I tell you, Izzy's one with the artist. Um, his name I forget his name. He's brilliant. Uh, oh yes, yes, I know what you're talking about. The one first, the one from Melbourne that we were at was it was really cool, yeah. really really cool. And, and the old D Throne shirts were really unique with the Connor boxing um stick man they, they were they were real cool just very very noticeable like you'll see it and you know what it is straight away so i thought that was pretty cool as well do you know i, I always wanted to get them affliction t-shirts with the septic pit bulls on them and all and i'm so happy i was broke my whole life because i never could get one <laughs> and they look horrendous now but at the time i was like man if i got one of these things i would look the shit but uh glad i didn't get one was yeah. it adam Nil- adam nelson gorilla the bear that did that shirt uh, 
Izzy's had a couple of shirts no. done. Um, the the official UFC one was done by a artist who a really talented artist called uh, named uh, Jean Galang. Yes. Yeah. Yes. That's the one. Oh, yeah. 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 Izzy actually has a couple of shirts. Um, the official Reebok one is by um, Jean Jean Galang. Um, Google him, guys. He's really good. He's amazing. But then Izzy has his own shirt, a non Reebok one, done by another artist. I don't know his name, but um, that's also very well done. But it's also funny. It's funny. Um, just that that question. I just happened to tweet earlier how I missed. Oh, I thought I thought that's where this question came from. Oh, maybe that's where it, maybe that's where it came from. Yeah, because I actually pulled up a couple of photos. Where, where are they? Just because I was looking them up right now. Wait, wait. There we go. So this is just a random. That's the old... shit I was after. Yeah. Look that's at that. I wanted that stuff. Look at that thing. That's uh, what is that? A rib cage, <laughs> a heart. Is the echo? Is echo shirt? He needs the pit bull for the trifecta. Affliction oh. always gave us pit bulls, some warrior scene, and maybe like. Wasn't like there fucking... always like a, a dumb cross with like bedazzles on yes. it? Yes. Yes. <laughs> the shirt looks so heavy, like like physically like heavy. Pip Jesus is right. right there. Look at that. Look at that, uh, Anthony Johnson. That looks shirt. terrible, Anthony Johnson. That's a terrible shirt. Oh, and if you're wondering why he has his eye covered up, um, that was after he was when he was fighting the UFC at once at welterweight. He had just received an eye poke, and it was from a no contest. I, th- I don't know. Was he- Ken- Kevin Burns, I think. You remember? It I was, cannot uh, remember. Yeah. But then, but this this started the whole trend of if you poke Anthony Johnson in the eye, he will murder you next time. <laughs> season. So when they, when they had the rematch. Yes, he, he decapitated. He decapitated that guy. That's and right. then, of course, um, when he fought, um, when he moved up to light heavyweight. And he fought um, Alexander Gustafsson in Sweden. Yep. And he remember he got eye poked, and as soon as he recovered from within it, within seconds. Yeah, within seconds, he murdered the man. Yeah. So uh, yeah, but there's your shirt you're looking for. Crosses. In terms um, of, in terms of uniqueness, I remember I can't remember which fight it was. It might have been one of the Gray Manor fights or the Ben Simmons fight. Frankie Edgar had one that oh. it looks like like a uh, element symbol from a what do you call it the the periodic oh, yeah, table, FD. and it said yeah, like yeah, FD. Yeah. That one. I wouldn't cool. wear it because my name's not Frankie Edgar, but in terms of like uniqueness, that at the time, because this was in the middle of that era that Casey just talked about, where every shirt looked terrible, uh, that one stood out to me just because it was a unique shirt. And the Korean Zombie one, of course. The classic Jesus didn't top as well. They were great back in the day. <laughs> I was a big fan of Don't Be Scared, Homie, the shirt that Nick Diaz put out. Someone gifted me yeah. one. Nice. Oh man, so many oh. good shirts. I, I I think I think I think we're due for a um a uh, a full on documentary on the 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 that that era. What do you what, what's the name for that? The just the the Silver Star Affliction Foil Affliction, Bedazzle the Affliction era. The Affliction era. Esther's, like I'm sure Esther has a million photos. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> they back were so people. expensive. They were also terrible. No, they were amazing. I mean, no, but there was so there was a shop. There was a shop in Dublin city center that was getting them in like before Connor was in the UFC. This is probably 2010, 2009. And there was that much of an appetite for them that you'd go into the shop and they'd be sold out every week. And I can remember, I thought I did my, my brother a great favor by buying him this Fedor Emilianenko fucking affliction t-shirt. And it was horrible, but he had to wear it like on uh, like the 26th of December to make me feel good about myself. And then I never saw it again. And I was like, what happened to that cool shirt I got you? And he's like, oh, I don't know. <laughs> he 
He's like, I like those shirts because it showed me the fan, the, my friends that I didn't want to hang out with anymore. That's yeah, 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 yeah. Now, all the, cra- the we, crazy, yeah, we're talking right about there. bad fashion, but in Japan, that that trend never really carried over. And no. when uh, the late Kid Yamamoto fought in the UFC, he had his own fashion line, um, I think, and part of the Crazy B. I don't know if it, I don't uh-huh. know if it was just his camp, but. He always had amazing outfits. He had this was his, his spider shirt, shirts yeah. ruled. His shirts were so good. Like those are shirts I would wear like outside of like even if I wasn't a fight fan, like I would see that shirt and I would like that shirt. Yeah, but you've got lovely. The logos is really nice. It's a handsome man, King Yamamoto. All right, that's a. Oh, you know what? Actually, one big regret I have, and so I've been working in MMA fifteen years. Don't have one tap out shirt, not one. That's a regret. Oh yeah, of course. Like I have nothing. Like, I have no tap out shirts. Just even even to wear ironically. Just nothing. <laughs> oh yeah. If, I I get, if, I, if someone smart. gifted you a tap out shirt right now, what would you do it? Do with it? Wear it straight away. Frame it. <laughs> All right. From Sean Denny at Denny Rants again on Twitter. Hashtag the A side. Jose, which is your favorite title fight from below? Connor v Aldo. Aldo v Connor. All of these are put in the champion second. Stop Good it. God. Stop it. I get it. Lawler v. McDonald. Wiley v. Joanna. Rampage v. Griffin. Anderson Silva v. Sonnen. Um, I think Griffin. he's put them all backwards to piss you off because yeah, he's like, made uh, a concerted effort to change them all there. <laughs> well, Sonnen, I think he just wanted to piss you off. Sonnen was Sean, the champ, brilliant. though. Sonnen was the champ, though. And I'm pretty sure wasn't <laughs> Forrest Griffin. No, it was Forrest Griffin. No, Forrest Griffin oh. beat Rampage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um... Well, Lawler McDonald is the best fight of those. Nah, that's, uh, that's cool. it was the most- well, in terms of just crate, because I was there and that was an epic card. Like I like Wiley Joanna was epic. Connor Aldo was 13 seconds. That's I mean I'm sure that's historic for across the pond. Rampage uh, versus Forrest Griffin. I vividly remember watching on my TV and like yelling at the at the can. Ah, and I don't know which Anderson Sun versus Chael Sun in shirt. I mean a shirt fight you're talking about uh that's tough i think it's easy it, i think it's, it's not a lot of day. it's if, if, if that's like in terms of like like violence probably that but i like this i can remember exactly where i was for all five of these fights and i'm at different points in my life and for all five of them so it's just interesting. It's actually interesting to look at look at that list and remember uh i'll probably say lawler mcdonald just because that was an insane night uh that was just an insane night to be at. I was also covered in beer by the end of that fight. Because I was that's when they sat me in the auxiliary seating. So people all around me were Irish fans waiting for the fight after, and I was absolutely drenched in things being thrown in the air. Well, the thing about that fight for me that was very important, and I guess it's you know, the the Irish mainstream media at the time were basically saying they they never got behind MMA, they thought it was bullshit. And they were kind of saying that this is all basically like the WWE. It's all choreographed. And to have that fight happen before the Connor fight was was like a religious experience for a lot of people watching in Ireland because they were like, holy shit. Like, how stupid do you look saying that this is choreographed when both these guys have poured their life out all over the fucking canvas for you? So I think it's an important fight. Uh, for that regard and just the drama of that fight was incredible like remember I asked uh, a brilliant journalist one of the best in Ireland uh, Ken, Ken Early I texted him he was sitting across from me on, on press row as we're watching it and I texted him I said 
well, what do you think of that, Ken? Because he was just basically there to, for the McGregor fight to cover for the Irish Times. And he sent me back. He said, this is like a, a religious experience. So I always just remember that. And I think it's uh, incredible. I'll go for Wiley and Joanna after that, though. That, yeah, that fight, that was that would probably be number two for me. I was about 10 feet away from that fight happening in front of me. And as soon as that fight ended, I was like, that's probably the fight of the year. And then lo and behold, that was one of the last events we ever had. So it is the fight of the year. <laughs> They have to stop doing it after that. Yeah. Well, um, yeah. For me, um, for me, uh, Wiley versus Joanna was my favorite title fight from this, with um, a close second being uh, Lawler McDonald. Yeah. It's one A one. It's one A one B. It depends on what's what you mean by favorite in terms of the actual fight. Those are the two. But like, I have good memories of watching Rampage Forest Grimm because that was before. That was when I was just a fan. Like I like convinced my dad to buy the pay per view and everything, so I was like screaming at it. So like I have good memories of that. But in terms of actual fight, it's McDonald Lawler, or Lawler McDonald Wiley Ioana in terms of the actual fight. Cool, cool. All right. Uh, do what is this question? Whoa, big question. The role of MMA media. Uh, during my time of watching and following MMA, I have seen a lot of arguments between the MMA media and fighters slash managers. Uh, and then this person asked Roxanne a question. Oh. She's no longer here, so we'll skip that part. If there is a difference in thought, where do you think the difference of thought about what? If there is a difference in thought, where do you think the difference of thought about the role of the media in the MMA world comes from? Is it as simple as the fighter is only looking out for his own? and how he or she is portrayed, or is it something completely different? This is a very oddly worded question from uh, Steve SDW. So, PT, I'll start with you. Uh, what what do is you the think question? The role? Yeah, I don't <laughs> quite know. Like, I, it's worded very strangely. He also asked Roxanne, like, do you, what do you consider the role of the, M- of the media in the MMA world uh, for the rest? As m- media in the MMA world, what do you consider – to be your role. So Pizzi, what is your role in the grand scheme of MMA? But just like to gather information and get it to the people who want to consume the information. I mean, that's, right. that's the whole game, right? Yeah. I mean, trying help people who, uh, you know, who can't get their message out there. Um, and sometimes we have to say things because the fighters don't want to say the things because it, it, it ends up in a complicated situation. And, um, and then of course, making sure that lots of events get canceled. Um, of course that's, that's our, one of our primary roles, of course, but yeah, I don't really understand. I, I think a lot of confusion about the MMA media comes from, uh, there's loads of, there's loads of people, vocal people involved on MMA social media. And I think they get confused a lot with people who are media members. Um, I think that's a bit of an issue. But other than that, I think that's our job. I don't really, I don't really know what else to say. I think it's fairly self-explanatory, right? Casey, like, what's what the weather, you- Matthew? Tells you what the weather's gonna be. Yeah. Casey, uh, what is your role in the grand scheme of MMA? And uh, I want to be jokey and just go, oh, and we're here, but we're here to stop the fights from happening. We're here to make sure no one does, <laughs> no one MMAs anymore. You know, it's like, <laughs> no, it's like, <laughs> it's like, oh, I've, ded- I've dedicated most of my professional life to MMA. Now it's time to make sure that ends. So, no, it's, um, <laughs> it's just to tell, uh, it's to, just to tell stories in the most honest way we can. Um, and yeah, there's, there's always going to be, a, it seems so much worse in the last four years or, or so where, um, 
where just people just don't understand the role of media, uh, of journalism. And, um, and a lot of times, yeah, it does, it does overlap. It feels like promotion for the UFC or Bellator, but it's not. It's like when we're covering weigh-ins, we're not promoting that event. We're actually we're covering those weigh-ins because this is a big sporting event. It's important. People care about it. That's why we are, we are covering it. We're not there to promote the event. The UFC is there to promote their own event, but we are there to, to cover it, to document it. So like if like take for example for like weigh-ins, if there's say no fans show up, the UFC on their production, they won't show the crowd. They make sure they won't do it because they don't want to give that impression. But as media members, we don't care. If if like it's like if there's no crowd there, we'll show there's no crowd there. If there's ten thousand people for those weigh-ins, we'll show that there's ten thousand people for those weigh-ins. So that's what we're there. We're just here to tell the story of how it is without and sometimes that crosses over promotion where it's the same storyline as the UFC is trying to sell. Sometimes it's, it's a different path. So, yeah. Does that make sense, PC? I'm just here to be unbiased yeah, and report yeah. facts. Yeah. Be no, unbiased like it's, and report. I don't think some people realize uh, the, the lengths we, we've gone to over the years. I'm not to say like we're heroes or anything like that, but I, I do I do get the, the, yeah. the feeling that, that people think that we, we hate MMA and stuff like this. Like they don't... Like I spent probably hundreds of thousands um, going over and just trying to cover the sport, and uh, went out of my way to get the first news articles in, in the Irish press about this. So to help people to kind of see it as a as a real sport and stuff like that. I mean, uh, most most media members have stories like that. Like a lot of people were making no money for a very long time before they start making money in this. It's um, it's like it's it's not a it's not a thing people are doing for financial gain necessarily. It's it's like a passion project that you hope turns into something good, you know? So I think that's one thing that a lot of people have arse ways. They, they think we don't, we don't love MMA. We fucking love MMA. We love all the people in MMA as well. And uh, I think we're always trying to do, um, yeah, we're always trying to do our best anyway. And we also try, and, and, and I, to me, the best part of being a journalist is that, Hopefully, we get the opportunity to tell stories for the fans out there that just aren't being told. That's all. The, the yeah. stories. Like, like yeah. when, when Invicta first came around, I was at the first probably eight or nine Invicta cards because I thought it was such an important important moment for yeah. the sport. I was like, we need to be there. And like that was – and that, that, and like when I, talked, you know, I talked to our bosses. I was like, hey, guys, can we please get me out there? This is an important thing. And even though there's only like – 500 people in that crowd, not, no, not 15,000 people, but I feel this is an important event for mixed martial arts and as storytellers, uh, we need to be, we need to be there. So that's part of the job as a journalist. Well said, and I think that's a good way to, unless we have any more questions. I do, I do want to, I do want to point out two things uh, from our own staff. Damon Martin says the best MMA t-shirt was Jens Pulver's punch out. Uh, where he had like the mock punch, like Mike Tyson punch out, but it was a picture uh, of uh, cool. Jens Pulver. And then uh, Guillermo Cruz wanted to point out that best shirt or Khabib shirt was before he fought Tiago Tavares in Sao Paulo. When it said just Sambo is easy, it would just be called Jiu Jitsu. <laughs> so those are two shirts. <laughs> oh, that was good. Staff. That was those really are good. Two shirts our staff wanted to point out. Uh, and can I, can I just, can I just, I have, this is my worst t shirt in modern MMA. Um, here it comes. I was just so disgusted by the design of this. Oh, yeah. Before uh, Reebok. 
That was after the Horaguchi fight. That was the Horaguchi fight, right? What the hell is that? Who's Tommy? So he won a contest or something, and everyone had like Tommy something uh, or other Bud Light uh, living, and that was also like t- like it was weird because it was like white with baby blue and uh, uh, Demetrius Johnson, who's wearing the shirt right now, also had like really white trunks and the shirt was like too big for him. It was not the best color combination or even just that this individual's face plastered across Demetrius Johnson's uh, chest. It was an, it was an odd time. <laughs> that t-shirt is essentially made for one person. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> like he has a thousand fucking t-shirts in his sitting room. Still that guy. This is around when you would see like dipyourcar.com on like every single shirt. Remember that? Dude wipes. Dude wipes. Also, uh, Molly McCann on Twitter at Meatball Molly says, "I miss the horns." I assume she miss, assumes the air. <laughs> 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 right. That one's for Molly. We got to get Molly back on. She was fucking savage. She was. I can't like she the the story of her beating up that sex trafficker at the twenty four hour subway. I saw so many people run with that story. <laughs> Not just she MMA, is, like like a like that was on Yahoo News based she off. Is, of this she has stories for days, man. Like I get you, you you get her on here every day of the week, and she'd have a different story every time. Man, Molly is man. She's salt of the earth, but she's put herself in some crazy situations over the years. <laughs> All of the days work, as as, as yeah. you said. She's a superhero. Any other questions, Casey? I know we've run a little over time, but nah, no I'm more not, questions. I'm 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 rolling so, the I'm rolling the outro music now. The outro music is oh, playing okay. for Jose. That's PC. That's Casey. We're still in quarantine. Finally, this is on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, so on and so forth. We'll see you on Friday. We're out. Thank you, Happy Warrior. Thank you, Happy Warrior. Thanks, Roxy, Legend. Listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network.